You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. How about the worship team tonight? They killed it. And then I thought it was pretty crazy how we had all these different people in costumes up here jumping around, getting us hyped for and ready for service. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but to introduce myself, I'm Matthew, and I'm one of the interns here this summer. Oh, what's that? It's just up on the screen. I didn't know they were going to do that. But back to the, back to the sermon. Um, I'm one of the interns here this summer, um, and it's been awesome to just come and see the inside the inside out of youth ministry. Um, I just want to thank Nate and DQ for giving all of us interns the opportunity to come and just to serve you students and to learn what uh, true ministry is. So um, tonight I'm going to be sharing my story, my personal story of how um, God has led me um, coming from a single parent home up into who I am today. So to start off, um, to start off my dad um, he worked as the sole provider of our family. He worked three jobs. He worked at Domino's, he worked at FedEx, and he worked at Opryland Hotel, which, was in Na- which is in Nashville. Um, and then my mom, she homeschooled me and my sister. I was at the point, I was, in, I was six, and my sister was eight, and my brother had just been born. He was about two years old. Um, but my dad worked at FedEx, and one thing that I think is cool about FedEx is their logo. FedEx actually has one of the top 10 logos ever created. Um, And the FedEx logo, it's crazy because it actually has this arrow between the E and the X, um, but nobody ever sees it. And then another logo is the -the Jack-in-the-Box logo. The -the Jack-in-the-Box logo actually has a fish inside of the logo. Oh, there it is. if you look up at the logo, it actually has a fish in the word box, and that's pretty, that's pretty darn cool. Um, and then the last one is Tortitos chips. Um, I, I know y'all love Mexican food down here, and I love it too, but if you look at the two T's, they're actually eating salsa. Who's ever seen that before? I've actually never seen that before, um, but go back, if you go back to the FedEx logo real quick. If you see where the E and the X is, who's ever seen that? Who's ever seen the arrow? The arrow, like whenever you look at this, whenever you look at a FedEx truck going down the road, you're just going to be like, there's an arrow up there. And your friends are going to be like, what are you talking about, dude? There's not an arrow. It's just a FedEx truck. Be like, look, there's an arrow in the E and the X. And just like in this logo, this logo that we see every single day, um, it's hidden to some of us. But we all have stories, but we want to hide these stories from each other instead of shining light on these stories and letting God get the, get the glory from them. And we think our stories are so dirty and they're, they're gory and we don't share them, but when we share them, God gets all the glory from them. Um, so tonight, I'm going to be diving in to my personal story. So to go back... At the beginning of my story, I was six years old, my brother was two, and my sister was eight. And my dad, one night, went to work, and he was working at Domino's. And he went into work um, probably about eight or nine o'clock at night, 
and then he would come home um, around like three or four and go to sleep and then wake up around nine or 10 and then go to the next job, which was FedEx. Um, but that morning, he didn't come home. And my mom and us, we were like, okay, where's dad at? Um, I was only six. I didn't really understand what was going on. But my mom had called a few of her friends. She was like, hey, have you seen Kyle? Um, he didn't come home from work last night. Um, have you seen his car anywhere? Have you seen him? And they had all said no, but they said they'd be on the lookout for him. Um, and then she called the different places he worked at, asked if they had seen him. And she called Domino's, and they said, he actually showed up to work late last night. And he showed up to late to work too many times, so we had to fire him. Um, so with him being fired, and we didn't know where he had been at, um, we looked for him for the next couple of days. My grandfather, he was a police officer at the time, had put in a missing persons report. Um, so all the police officers in the area were looking for his car, and they were looking to trace his tags if they could find him anywhere, um, to find his car either in a parking lot or to just see him on the interstate. Maybe he had gotten fired, and he was driving to a different state because he was mad. Um, so he was put on the missing persons report, and a few days went by, and a few weeks went by, and then months went by, and everyone was still looking for him, but there was no luck in finding him. So things started to get really, really tough um, at home. We were living in an apartment at the time. My mom was homeschooling me and my sister, um, and she had to get a job at night. She actually got a job at Shop at Home Network. I don't know if y'all know what that is, um, but it's this TV channel where you can call them and They'll put your order in, and they'll send it to you in a box in the mail. So she worked from home at night when me and my sister and my brother were asleep. And she would work all night and then wake up. We'd wake up, and we'd be ready to go. And she would teach us our schoolwork. And then my little brother, she would raise him and take care of him. And things got really, really tough because, one, we had lost the sole provider of our family, my father. And my mom had to get a job quick so she could just pay the bills. Um, so the months went by, and it got up till Christmas, and we didn't have any presents under the tree because my mom was just struggling to pay the bills for our apartment and to put food on the table for us. Um, and looking back, it breaks my heart to see how hard my mom worked because um, she, would, she would barely get any sleep at night, but she gave everything she had to her kids, um, which is a testament to see how hard my mom worked just to keep us going. Um, and it's crazy to see how God used her to raise me and my siblings into who we are today. Um, but Christmas came around, and we didn't have any presents under the tree. But this church had heard about our family and how my father was missing. So they surprised us at our house on Christmas Eve, and they brought this big bag full of this one guy who was it's kind of funny, but I was only six years old. Um, he came in a Santa suit and had brought us a full thing of toys. Um, and me and my sister and my brother were so happy just to get something that Christmas because we knew my mom was just doing enough to get by, and it blessed her so much that this local church would be the hands and feet and come just bring us presents. And that was such a blessing. Um, but the months went by, and we still couldn't find my father. 
and things were still rough, and we changed churches, and we started going to this church called Long Hollow Baptist Church, where I still go today in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, And fast forward a few years, I was in the kids' ministry, and I was going into the fourth grade, um, and I said, hey, Mom, I want to go to this kids' camp. Um, it's, it looks really, really cool because they were advertising and they were showing all these videos of these kids like jumping up and down. Um, they were having a good time. They actually had a mud pit there. Um, I don't know if I would jump in a mud pit today. At, but when I was in fourth grade, I thought the mud pit was the coolest thing ever. And my mom said, we barely have enough money to pay the bills. I'm sorry, son, but I'm not going to be able to send you to kids camp this year. Um, and that, I was so down and I was so sad and I went to church the next week and told my small group leader, I said, hey, my dad just went missing and I don't have enough money to go to kids camp this year, but I really, really want to go. Um, and he said, no problem, we have scholarships for kids just like you. And looking back, because one person put some money in an offering plate for a scholarship fund, I was able to go to kids camp my fourth grade year and that year, on the second day, I still remember the speaker, Pastor Jason Underhill was speaking. I stood up and I gave my life to Christ when I was in fourth grade because somebody had given a scholarship for kids like me that I wasn't able to pay for camp. Um, so I had given my life to Christ and I was on fire for God, at, even as a fourth grade student, but I was still homeschooled and times were still rough at my, at my home because um, my mom was still working at shop at home and she would work all night and then raise us kids and teach us um, during the day. But then my mom lost her job at shop at home because they had shut the business down. So she, was, she had this decision to either get another job from home or to go full-time somewhere during the day. And she looked and she applied at different places but there was nowhere hiring where she could work at home. So the decision was made that me and my brother and my sister were going into public schools for the first time. And I was pretty excited going into public school because um, I knew a few kids from church. I said, hey, maybe I'll get to make a few friends. I don't have many friends right now, but going into school, I'm excited for this. But then the summer going in to my sixth grade year, um, I was 12 years old, and I had a birthday party at our new house um, that we'd just gotten for our new school zone. And I got, a, I got a dirt bike that year. That was really cool. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, a little sixth-grade kid riding his dirt bike around the yard. The neighbors probably thought I was crazy, but I had a lot of fun. But after the party, around about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I can still remember what happened. This police officer had pulled in our driveway, and... We were inside the house, and me and my sister, like, peeked through the window, like, why is there a police officer here at our house? Um, and mom answered the door, and she shut the door and turned it around, and she was totally broken, and she was bawling. And we said, Mom, what is wrong? What has happened? And she said, they just told her, they just told her that they had found my father's car, and they found his body in the car, but they found it at the bottom of a river about 20 minutes down the road. 
and they said they found his wallet in the car and they found everything else in the car. And we found out on my birthday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon that my father, when I was six years old, after he was fired from work, drove his car into the river through one of the boat ramps and committed suicide that night. And after that point, I was so angry at God. I was asking God one question, and it was, why? Why had you taken my father away when I was six years old? The person who was supposed to come to my baseball games and cheer me on, he committed suicide. The person that we had been looking for for the past six years was gone, and my hope of ever seeing my father on this earth again was crushed when the police officer came and knocked on the door and said, we found your father, and he was in this car in the bottom of this river. So I was so mad at God throughout the whole summer, and now I had to go into this new school that I had very little friends at, and I was not looking forward to it at all. And this led into a deep depression, and this is the point where I started running from God. I was so mad at God that he had taken my father away. I said, God, why should I trust in someone who took my father away when I was six years old? Why should I place my trust in someone who has done this, who has taken my father away? So going into my sixth grade year, um, got to school, made a few friends, but they weren't, I didn't surround myself with the right crowd. And I would go to school and I'd be so depressed that I would sit in my classes and I would just cry at some classes. And my teacher would get so fed up saying, if you're not going to stop crying, we're going to have to send you to the principal's office or we're going to have to send you to the counselor. And I wouldn't respond. I would say, send me to the counselor because I don't want to do this schoolwork because I am so mad at life and I'm so mad at God. I just don't want to hang out with anybody anymore. So they would send me to the counseling office and I met this lady named Miss Spangler, and she was our school counselor. Um, she would work with me twice a week, um, and I began to get a little bit better through my depression. But she had said it was one of the worst cases that she'd ever seen at such a young age of someone being so depressed and someone being so mad at the world. So going... Into my seventh grade year, I was still mad at God, and I was still running from God. And Satan is perfect at timing. He is the father of lies, and he is so good at timing. So when I was mad at the world, and I was in this new school, and my mom had just lost this job, and I was in this school, and I didn't know anybody, I was at such a low point that I had heard from some friends at school there was this thing they would look at on the internet, and it was called pornography. And I was introduced to pornography my seventh grade year. And I said, why not do this? Because I am in such a bad place right now. I'm, I'm hurting so bad. I just need something to satisfy a need. And I would look at pornography, and I'd feel better for a while, but it would come back, and it would change nothing. So... As I looked at pornography for the next few years, and I was still deep in sin, I was still running from God, I got to my ninth grade year, 
And going into my ninth grade year, I went to church camp. Um, one thing that you may see in my story is church camp plays a really, really big part in my life. I got saved at church camp, but at this point in my life, I was refusing to go to church camp. I said, why would I go to a camp and worship a God that has forgotten me? Why would I go to a camp and worship someone who allowed my father to commit suicide and has put me in this awful position? So I told my mom, I was like, Mom, I don't want to go to this camp. I don't want to go to this camp because, one, they won't understand what I'm going through, and then, two, I just don't want to be around God because I was so angry at him. But my mom said, son, you have to go. And she realized that I was in such a dark point in my life that she just sent me anyways. So I went to church camp, for, and I was there about three days in, and one of, the, not, one of the counselors that was in my cabin, he wasn't my counselor for my group, but he was one of the counselors in the cabin. Um, I didn't know who he was at the time, but his name was Mike Morris. Um, I didn't know him, and he didn't know who I was, but he felt this stirring in his heart, and God told him, hey, go talk to Matthew. And a few months before, he had felt this calling to start a ministry or start a group called David's Men. And what David's Men is, pretty much, is a group of about four to six guys that meet once a month, and they go through eight different books, they memorize three verses a month, and then they, do different, they practice different spiritual disciplines. Um, and Mr. Mike's like, hey, um, I don't know you that well, but God's telling me, why don't you join this group? I was like, why not? Maybe I'll make some friends in this group, but why not take a chance at it? And God stirred my heart at church camp, and I joined this group called David's Men. And in this group, going into my sophomore year, I realized about the second month in that I was not alone in my sin. There were other young men that I was in this group with that had struggled with pornography in the past. And they had struggled with different sins in their life, like pornography and depression. And this group came together and said, we are going to join together and fight the different temptations that we had. And in this group, I was able to find accountability in this group, and I was able to find some of the best friends I, that I still have today. Um, Mr. Mike, when I think of him, I still have a relationship with him today. He's one of my great mentors, and I, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be standing on the stage today. So if he hadn't obeyed this calling to, one, months before camp, start this group, and then two, ask a kid that he didn't even know to be in this group, I wouldn't be here today. And one verse that I think about when I think of him is James 1.27. It says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their, in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So since Mr. Mike had been walking faithfully with Christ, he heard the calling to ask me to be in his group. And then two, he didn't know this at the point, but I was an orphan that had lost my father, and I was desperately needing someone to come into my life and to show me what it meant to be a godly man at this point. I didn't have a father in the home, and I didn't have a father figure to teach me 
the different things um, of how to be a man and how to respect women. But Mr. Mike came into my life and he taught me these different principles. One of the things that I love that he did that he doesn't know how big of an impact it made on my life is when I got my permit and my mom was doing a full-time job still, he would teach me how to drive on the weekends in his free time when he wasn't at work. And that just shows how such a servant heart he had. Um, But leading into my junior year, um, camp came around again, and I was like, let's go to camp. God changed my life last year. Let's see what happens this year. So I went to camp again, and it was the second day in the middle of worship. I just felt this overwhelming spirit of God on me, and he was saying, Matthew, what I want you, the calling you have on your life, you have such a story that I want you to go and be in youth ministry someday. And I was like, God, youth ministry? I've seen these guys speak on stage, but I wasn't very good at speaking. So we rewind a little bit. In the seventh grade, during one of my classes, um, one of my teachers was like, why haven't you read this book that I've given you for English class? And I said, well, I, I read slower than the other kids because I don't really understand what I read. And she was like, it's kind of odd. So they gave me this test and to find out I was diagnosed with this thing called dyslexia. And if you don't know what dyslexia is, it's where you read something and the words will get jumbled up, jumbled up or the numbers will get jumbled up. And it takes significantly a lot longer to read, and you have to learn how to read a different way. So in the seventh grade, I had a second grade reading level. So having that, when God called me to be in youth ministry at camp my junior year, I said, God, I can't even read. I wasn't able to read in seventh grade, but I can read now. But, Lord, I lost my father. I didn't have anybody to show me how to be a man. Why do you want me to go lead these students in the future? God, I have struggled with pornography in my life, and I've struggled with depression. Lord, how are you going to use me, someone who's so messed up and so broken, to even have a dent of an impact for your kingdom? And he showed me, and he said, look at all these things that you've done. Look at the different struggles that you've had in your life. And at that point, I realized that even though I didn't have a father, and that even though I struggled through all these things in my life. I realized the different finger points that God had in my life. When I look back to see the situation, the financial situation now that my mom was in, there's no logical reason for my mom to be even able to put clothes on our back when my father was, he left us. And she had no job at all. She had no income. There was no reason for me to even get an education, to be going to a public school, and for me to be living in the house I was. There was no reason for me to even be in this Davidsman group. I had done nothing on my own, but I had seen that God had moved all these different things into place to where I was there right now at that camp at a different school in the middle of a worship service that I, didn't, I shouldn't have deserved to have been in.
So I, I said, God, okay, I think this is crazy, but I'm going to accept the call to go be in youth ministry. Um, but going into that, I said, God, if you're going to put me in youth ministry, just let me do one thing. Let me minister to the, to the young boys and girls that don't have fathers in the home. Lord, let me have an impact on them because it's hurt me so much not having a father in the home. It's hurt me so much, so much in my life growing up without a father. And I just want to minister to the students that don't have fathers in the home and that have broken homes. So that's what I hope to do in the future. Um, looking back on my story, there's a quote that I read out of a book by Levi Lusco, and it says, the one who is, or the things that are behind you are no match for the one that is with you. And tonight I can stand on this stage and say the only reason I'm on this stage is by the grace of God because I deserved nothing that I had in my life. It, it breaks my heart to look back and to see how hard my mom worked just to provide stuff for my family. She sacrificed so much for me and my siblings. And it's crazy to look back and to see that God has taken me from losing my father to living in this tiny little apartment to going to church camp one year where I was saved and then joining this group called David's Men. That has totally changed my life. So, tonight I want to let you know that your story can impact other students. We shouldn't keep our story hidden, even though it may be gory and dirty, God can use our story for his glory. He can take our story, he can take our sin, he can take all the different things that the world has twisted and that has turned away from God, he can, God can take it and say, I'm going to use this to advance my kingdom, and it's going to be for my glory in the future. Another quote that comes to mind is, God puts to use what we go through. So even though we go through these different things in our life, he's going to put them to use. And once we realize that our stories can impact other students, and we start sharing our story with other students, this student ministry will blow up. Because people cannot deny life change that has happened to you. They can say, oh, the word of God isn't real because it's been so many years and who wrote it? But there's theology to back that up. But when you go into your schools and you say, this is what God has done in my life, this is how he brought me from this trial to this trial and I've overcome all of it because of the blood of the lamb, then they cannot deny that. They cannot deny your story and what God has brought you through. So, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, if you want to accept the Lord that has given me a hope and a passion to reach the next generation, if you want to know the God that has led me and directed me all the way from losing my father to getting saved at kids camp, at that time, I didn't know what my life was going to hold. I didn't know what God had called me to, but in fourth grade, 
I realized that I was a sinner, I needed a savior, and I wasn't going to be able to do life on my own. So if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ right now, you can pray with me. Everybody bow their heads, please. Um, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior, and I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I believe in three days you rose, and I believe that you can take my sin and my brokenness, and you can use it for your glory. Lord, thank you for saving me tonight, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Jesus, amen. If anybody prayed that prayer, you can stand up right now. If anybody wants to give their life to Jesus, you can stand up right now. Okay. Um, tonight, my main point is to let you know that your story should not go untold. God will put to use what you've been through, so as we share our stories, lives will be changed. Thank you.